Shades of a black boy, of a black boy, of a black boy rainbow. A little bit of this and that boy, this and that boy, of a black boy rainbow. Shades of a black boy, of a black boy, of a black boy rainbow. Black, queer, unapologetic. Shades of a, shades of a, shades of a, shades of a black boy rainbow. Hey, and I'm back. Welcome to another episode of Shades of a Black Boy Rainbow. I'm your host, Jojo. Um, Before I jump in, though, I really do want to thank everybody who supported the intro episode. I really appreciate that. I try to put out, wanted to put a lot of work into um, this, and I know, I know I fell off pretty quick. And I've been trying very hard to take more accountability for my actions be more transparent with myself and life happens. Like we all know this life happens, you know, and there's always going to be life shit and we have to find healthy ways to be able to deal with it and not ignore what your mind, heart, body, and soul actually need. I definitely believe that self-awareness is key. And so this episode is appropriately titled Shades of Mental Health. For those of you who know me closely, I've been on a mental health journey for about four years now. And the reality is that the journey does not necessarily end, at least not for me. Um, This is something that I have to stay on top of. Um, It took a lot for me to come to terms with the idea that therapy and meditation would be something that would benefit me. And like I said, I definitely have to stay on top of it. And not for anyone but myself. It's not for anyone else but me. And I try to be as transparent with other people about it as I can, uh, being I get overstimulated, um, overwhelmed in certain social situations and things like that. And that's unique to my situation. But, you know, other people have different things that trigger them. And I think it's really important. Um, Like I said before, self-awareness is key. And there's a lot of unnecessary stigma regarding mental health, especially in queer communities and communities of color. And so that's what I really wanted to talk about today, because that's something that I struggled with when I started this journey. And I just remember growing up and hearing uh, Black family members and uh, family friends, friends just, you know, outside of the family, talking about crazy people and uh, people who were in therapy. And it was kind of ingrained into my mind that I was never going to be one of those people, right? They're talking about, you know, these people are nuts and, and, you know, they're in this thing that doesn't make any sense, like mental health doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you going to see a therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist? Um, thing like that. And so I was in denial about it for the longest time because I didn't want to be one of those people. And really, queer folks tend to endure things when we're younger that we don't necessarily recognize when we get older. And one example I'm just going to give really quick. I went on a date with this dude, a man of color, a few months ago. And there was like that moment where it was like that awkward goodbye. And I could tell that the dude wanted to kiss me. He kind of went in for the kiss, but then he backed away. And there was like this straight group of people that were walking past us. We were in front of a straight bar, but there was a gay bar right across the street. And I kind of just asked him on the spot. I was like, hey, like, you know, what's up with that? And he was self-aware about it. And he basically said that it's a reaction that he has from being afraid to show like public displays of affection as a queer person in front of straight people. 
and that it's something that he had to deal with when he was younger. And he, I guess he hasn't really, or he, he guessed that he hadn't really let that go. And so we build habits around that shit, that things that have happened to us when we're younger and we carry that stuff with us when we get older. And so you don't necessarily recognize it until it happens in the moment where somebody has to call you out on it because you don't necessarily get exactly what reactions that you have because they become just kind of muscle memory. And I try to be upfront about my shit. For those who don't know, I ended up moving to Sacramento from San Francisco. And I knew like two or three folks before I moved up here. And basically, I had to make new friends. And and making new friends as an adult is so weird. I have anxiety like a motherfucker. And I'm, I'm very transparent about that. But I ended up meeting this cool guy through a kickball league. And I was invited to a bar with some of the other people from the kickball league. But I literally didn't know anybody. I didn't know anyone that was going except for the one guy that I had met. And then the teammates that were on my team, this guy was on a different team. But my teammates that I knew from the league, they weren't going. And so I only knew this one person in this group of people. And so I was freaking out about going. I was at home. I was like, maybe I just shouldn't go. Like, you know, maybe I should just stay at home. And I ended up just texting the dude and just like explaining the situation like, hey, going to shit like this makes me anxious. Can you meet me outside so we can walk in together? And he was super understanding. He was just like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll I'll just meet you outside. And I had to tell myself, I was like, you know, you want to make new friends, but this is a part of who you are. You know that you have this issue. And and it's not that I'm like antisocial or anything like that, but it was basically like, If you want to make friends and these people have like an issue with you having anxiety or having any other like mental health issue, then do you want to be friends with these people if they can't accept you as you are? Do you want to be friends with these people if they can't like help work you through it? And the friends that I had like in the Bay definitely helped me through a lot of that stuff. And so making new friends up here, it's been fairly easy, which I appreciate. So if any of you guys are listening to this, I do appreciate that um, just because, you know, I do have these underlying things that I have to deal with. But being open about your feelings and emotions is okay. Being vulnerable is okay. It's literally, literally okay not to be okay. I think that's like a Demi Lovato song (laughs) or something, but it's literally okay not to be okay. And then you figure out, you know, what's going on, why you're not okay. And then you figure out how to fix it whether it's some kind of trauma um, that you've endured in the past, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, or any other personal hurdle that you have to endure, you have to be able to take care of yourself. And being self-aware definitely helps in that journey. And there's a lot of old school people of color that are out there who don't believe in mental health care. And it's it's something for rich people. It's something for crazy people in straitjackets. And like, there's like a lot of stereotypes that go into that. And I always like wonder why, you know, like communities of color, like have stereotypes towards like other groups, like whether it's mental health or like other communities of color, like black people versus Asian people or like, you know, white people versus black people. But then like don't want people to stereotype them, but they stereotype other groups of people. It's super weird. Same thing with queer people too. It's so fucking weird. I don't understand it. But I don't know if anybody's seen this show on Netflix. It's called Never Have I Ever. It's fairly new. I think they just came out with season two. But it's about this POC girl and she's in high school. 
and her father dies. Um, so obviously that's like a whole trauma situation. And so she ends up in therapy and the therapist, the therapist is played by Nisi Nash. I love Nisi Nash. She's freaking hilarious. But anyways, the mom is like this old school Indian immigrant and she's having a conversation with the therapist about her daughter and uh, Nisi Nash is, you know, again, is a therapist and she's like, I thought you didn't believe in therapy. And the mom goes, I don't, it's for white people. <laughs> and she's saying this to a black therapist and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but that's just like an example. Cause that stuff happens in real life where it doesn't make sense. You know, like we don't want to be stereotyped for like one thing, but we stereotype other things and at the risk of not taking care of ourselves. And it just, I, I find it very self-destructive. It's like you're sabotaging your own happiness and your own health your own mental well-being and but that was the mentality that i was raised in i don't actually have conversations with my parents or aunts or uncles about mental health stuff because they just honestly wouldn't understand uh, i feel like the understanding that the old school folk typically have and this is probably a conversation that i would want to sit down and have with someone from like an older generation is that where does that understanding come from? Because from my understanding of the conversations that I've previously had, it always goes to medication, right? And not everybody that goes to see a therapist is on medication. Not everybody needs medication, you know? And so I, I think that that's a big misunderstanding that enables a stigma that doesn't necessarily need to be attached to mental health care. But I mean, for me specifically, I did have to take accountability for my behavior and my mistakes. And I had to push myself to seek out ways in order to find the causes and how I could be a better person for myself. I was showing a lot of self-destructive behavior and going on binges, cussing people out, getting in like all these like altercations with people and like trying to figure out like what is the underlying issue of these things that I'm being triggered and and I know that, you know, I have anxiety. I know that I've had depression. I know that I have abandonment issues and I know where it comes from now. And so I'm working on it. And, and when I was younger, I would blame a lot of shit on other people and have also had issues like letting go of it, like carrying it around with me on my back for no good reason. And all the while being in defense mode, ready to go on the attack to anybody who would come after me for these like specific things. And as I've gotten older, I've started to realize that I have a choice in a lot of the different situations. And not to say that I take the blame for everything, but you know, as it's my choice, I'm not taking the blame for everything, but I've learned to distribute blame appropriately and not beat myself up for a bruised ego or miscommunication and things like that because of someone seeing me a specific way or someone doing a certain action towards me and me taking it the wrong way. I have definitely had a tendency to overreact. It's happened, but I know I'm not the only one. So don't, don't come for me. <laughs> don't come for me. I feel like I've grown a, a passion for being able to talk about these things just because like, I know that it's personally like helped me. And outside of self-awareness and therapy, and obviously there's medication, I'm not going in and talking about medication because I'm not a medical expert. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, but under circumstances, medication can be 
helpful, truthfully, and some people do need, need medication. So, and that's a hard truth. And so like, if, you know, you meet with like a healthcare provider and you go see a psychiatrist or something like that, if they feel like, you know, that's the best thing for you, then, then that's between you and, and your healthcare provider. But I definitely think that if, you know, if someone's recommending it to just really think it through, because you never really know, you know, what, what your best options are until you get out there and, and look at what your options are. But one thing I think that people really, really don't talk about, and I really find value in this, and some people may not want to hear this, but I love having friends that will check my ass when I'm spiraling, when I'm fading into the background, when I'm losing control. Those friends who you can confide in with your feelings, you can be vulnerable with them, um, that know your situation and that will have your back. And when I started this journey, I didn't have that. I had friends, but I never really opened up to them about anything like my childhood, being in the army or anything. Like I'd never really, we never really talked about that stuff. I mean, the funny thing, I mean, maybe, maybe it's not funny, but now that I'm past it, maybe uh, I guess it is a little bit funny, but I had like totally, if I hadn't like totally lost my shit in 2017, I would not have met the support system that I currently have. And specifically talking about the folks that live in the Bay that like I met towards the end of 2017, like September, October, who like definitely helped me pull myself out of that pit that I was in. And I have, you know, this awesome group of individuals who like listen to me without judgment, um, who have my back, but it will also call me out on my shit when I'm wrong and starting to head in the wrong direction because they know where I came from, like what direction I was going and like how that was bad for me because we've had conversations about where I was at and why I was there. And, you know, they know that I'm in therapy. They know a lot of other things about me. And I, I appreciate those friendships. Like they still live in San Francisco or like Oakland. But I mean, I live in Sacramento, but we still talk, you know, and so I have opportunities to be able to like confide in them when things are not going 100% okay, when I'm starting to have issues. And I'm just like, uh, like, how am I going to deal with this? Like, I don't have them in person, you know, but there's phones and Zoom for that shit. So like, there's really no excuse for it. I mean, I go to therapy every week and I, I'm, I'm going to be upfront. Like I do take medication and I'm not ashamed of that at all, at all. But I feel like everyone should at the very least have a support system. People who are going to call you out on your shit and they, but they will also have your back and be able to support you and not beat you up because those people are the ones that are going to be there when you actually need them. And I definitely remember that lonely feeling that I had, like I had no friends. Uh, I felt like I had no friends, no support, that people only engaged with me. You know, they like have a conversation with me because they wanted something. I mean, and it sucks like to say this, but like I, I played in the um, softball league in San Francisco and I'm not even gonna lie. And some people, I know you guys are listening to this, but I felt like playing softball was the only thing that I had to offer people. It was like, okay, like if I don't play, if I don't go to this tournament, if I don't coach this team, then nobody really gets fucked. Like they don't care like what's going on in your personal life. They don't really, really care. And so like it made me really paranoid. And granted, honestly, like I'm not even saying that like that was the case, but like that's how I felt. And like that was my own personal issue that I needed to deal with. And so that paranoia, um, that being suspicious of like uh, being afraid of like engaging with people for reasons like that, um, if I didn't deliver that I had no value to them, I needed to get over that. And so like, I feel like I'm past that now, but like, I mean, that's something that I felt. And it was in that led to like a major self-worth issue. Like, am I enough? Like, why don't people like me? That kind of thing. And 
So I kind of played along to get along at the cost of like losing myself, which I definitely regret. And but I've been able to pull myself out of it and learning that confiding in friends does not mean that you're weak. Seeking out mental health care does not mean that you're crazy. And I want to encourage anybody, especially queer and POC folks, to take care of their mental and spiritual selves because you definitely need to have your own back. You can't expect other people to have your back if you can't even have your own, right? So we want to get rid of this negative self-talk and try to be as positive as you can. Everything is not the end of the world, but really have your back. And I'm saying this as someone who personally struggles with mental health and as someone who personally knows that journey and knows that struggle, just know that you're not alone and do your best not to be afraid. Don't be afraid to seek out help if you need it. And just know that everything will be okay. I think I'm going to leave it at that. And I hope that this helped somebody out there. I mean, and I appreciate the continued support for the podcast. And I have another episode that'll come out next week that's already recorded. So you have my word on that. And I'm actually recording one tomorrow with a guest. So that'll be awesome. So at least we got two in the, in the works. But again, thank you for the support. I hope this was able to help somebody out there. And again, if you need like help, if you need, if you feel it alone, don't be afraid to reach out to someone and confide in them because, you know, again, you got to have your own back and whether that's a friend or getting yourself in a therapy or something like that. All right. Well, thank you guys. And I will end this here. See ya. Bye. Black, clear, unapologetic. Shades of a, shades of a, shades of a, shades of a black boy rainbow.